Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Thursday, September 3rd, 2020. This is Shannon, and I am joined tonight by Kira, Brooke, and Stacy. And we are once again highlighting the work of authors of color. So often in the publishing world, and kind of in the world at large, the work of authors of color is not promoted very well is very much a marginalized grouping of books. And so I like to take an episode every few months and highlight some of the best authors of color that we have read recently. So before we dive in, we will have the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Then Brooke will start us off, followed by Stacy, Kira, and then I will finish up the round before we start again. So Brooke, whenever you are ready. Okay, so the first book that I'm going to talk about tonight is called Confessions, and it's by Kanye Monado. And this book, I will... I'll start by saying was um, unforgettable. It was it was wild. So this book is about a woman named Yuko, and Yuko is a teacher at a middle school in Japan. Sometimes Yuko would bring her daughter. I think her name is Manami or something like that. It's it's a really difficult name to say. But um, she used to bring her to work sometimes, and she would just kind of, like, hang out. She's four years old. Well, some of, a couple of her pupils end up killing her. So Yuko sets out to take revenge on um, these pupils. And the way that she ends up doing it, well, the way that she kind of starts it, she decides that she's going to retire from working or at least resign. And it, before she does this, she gives her last lecture. And her last lecture, it's kind of outlining her revenge and it's talking about these pupils and it's giving her, her um, other students information about like the students that they never knew. And then on top of this, she's kind of like outlining how she's going to take revenge, which I'm not going to give you too much information about that because it's really a lot of the story. So the story goes in different points of views. So there's, um, there's Yuko's point of view. Um, we've got the point of view of one of the students. Um, I think she's like kind of like the class president in a way. And then you get some of the point of views of um, the pupils that have been accused of murdering her daughter. And then you also get the point of views of some of the parents. And it's just a really interesting way of writing. It's not a complicated book to read, but it's a very like convoluted um, way of setting out to take revenge, really. So I really, really, really enjoyed this book. I was surprised. Like, it was translated into English from Japanese. And I wasn't totally sure how that was going to go, because sometimes translations don't always come across perfectly. Um, but this one, like, it was, 
you could totally imagine that it was actually written in English. Like that's how well it was done. So this is Confessions by Kanye Monado. I heard about this on a Book Riot podcast a couple of years ago. And it got really, really good reviews. So I'm very excited about it. Oh, it's so good. Like it was, I still remember it. And I'm just like, I, I, I was totally cheering the teacher on. Like she's, she's quite the uh, imaginative uh, person. The first book I'm going to talk about tonight is uh, one of my favorite reads of this summer. And it's called Real Men Knit by Quana Jackson. Yes. And I love this book so incredibly much. And it is about um, a family that is basically it's, it's um, a family of brothers who were all foster children and then later adopted by their foster mother, Mama Joy. And Mama Joy owns a knitting shop in Harlem. And so all of these very strapping, virile young men grew up with Mama Joy learning how to knit. So this is not a spoiler, but at the beginning of the book, Mama Joy has just died. And all of her sons are going to figure out, like, what the heck to do with this knitting shop. And the majority of her sons want to turn um, Mama Joy's knitting shop, which is called Strong Knits. Uh, Their last name is Strong. They want, to, they want to sell it and just move on. Well, Jesse Strong, um, who is the, the son who was basically um, sort of like the, the playboy of the neighborhood. He was always with a different <laughs> woman. Um, he sort of always felt like a screw-up, never really could figure out what his life was going to be. But he decides he cannot see his Mama Joy's legacy, um, you know, be squandered like this. And he wants to save the knitting shop. And all of his brothers, who I am pretty positive are going to have their own stories. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I Um, hope so. Yes. um, The brothers all decide, okay, you can have this amount of time to try to get everything squared away with the knitting shop. So Jesse Strong turns to his childhood friend who's had a crush on him for many years, and her name is Carrie. And Carrie grew up at the knitting shop. It was sort of like her refuge away from home. And she worked there for a long time until she got her job at the community center. And he begs Carrie to teach him the ins and outs of the business and to help keep the store open. And this book is about that journey. And it's about family, both found and biological. It's about love. It's about figuring out, it's it's self-discovery, figuring out who you are. And it's about how this Harlem neighborhood in and of itself is like a character and how all of these different people who live within this neighborhood pull together to help continue Mama Joy's legacy of love and acceptance. And I love this book so very much. The romance was very gentle and lovely and just everything about it was just like getting a giant warm hug. And this summer I really needed this book. Um, I'm very surprised because it does not have stellar ratings on Goodreads. It has just over three stars. And to me, just the heart of this book and the, just the beautiful, everything to me deserves a much higher rating. So I would encourage you to flip off the ratings and go in and try this book. It is Real Men Knit by Quana Jackson. I have wanted to read this and then I thought like, I'm going to love it so much. And then there aren't going to be any more. And that's going to make me sad. So I'm trying to hold out for like at least one more book. Don't, I mean, if you, the nice thing is there isn't like a cliffhanger ending. So it's, it can be a standalone, but you know that there will be books about the brothers and it will make you happy. Um, Ah, But I'm just telling you, like this book is just so gorgeous and lovely and everything we like about found family and love and, you know, when, when a neighborhood is a character, you know, and, and kind of yes. has like a, yeah, that's, that's this book. Like, it's just everything that I love. Hi, guys. Um, Hi, I'm really excited. Hi, I'm really excited <laughs> for this topic. Um, my first book was my venture back into sci-fi. 
And it's a long um, lost kind of genre that I used to be really into, but like fell out of as my like reading taste changed a little bit. But I still have a soft spot for sci-fi. And the book I'm going to talk about today is the Dawn series by Octavia E. Butler. She is a quintessential sci-fi writer, um, just an amazing storyteller. Um, the way she brings you into the character, you feel like you're there and you feel like it's a very close relationship the reader has with the character, just the way she builds the story. She's a master of building story and also a master of um, telling stories that take place over a long period of time. So the protagonist in the story is named Lilith. She is a surviving human after what um, can only be described as mutually assured destruction gone wrong. And yeah, and so this alien planet, alien spaceship, um, comes down and like rescues all these humans. And they are known as the Oankali. And their big thing is genetic trading and genetic diversity. Um, so it's this very interesting story that, um, that Butler, Octavia E. Butler, weaves about Lilith and her coming to understand what the new human race um would be like you know is what her feelings on that are um is it a good thing is it a bad thing um what her place in the universe is now that she knows that aliens in fact do exist um it's just it's got very good commentary on human nature and group dynamics as uh, lilith is chosen to lead the first group of humans back to earth um but not everything goes as planned, and I don't want to spoil anything, but it's a very <laughs> good book. It roped me in from the beginning. It's a little strange at times, but I mean, what sci-fi isn't a little bit strange and a little bit uncomfortable, but that uncomfort is purposeful. It is to make a point. Um, so she just effortlessly weaves in so much character development, you know, and the story takes place, like I said, over a long period of time and effortlessly just brings the, the reader along on the story. You get to know all these different characters. You get to know about this alien, I guess, species. And it's just, oh God, it's an excellent read. It's a really good read. So it kind of brought me back to sci-fi. So I'm, I'm currently reading her second book in, this, in the trilogy. There's three books. And um, I recommend it to all who are interested in getting to know a little bit more about sci-fi. The title, again, is um, Dawn, and the author is Octavia E. Butler. And I'm not typically a sci-fi person, but this looks really good to me. I love sort of saga books and where it sounds to me like she's probably put into a really strange position. Um, oh, definitely. Where she doesn't really feel that she understands the dynamics I would think mm-hmm, and like the people mm-hmm. she's with and I, yeah. I like all that stuff. So I may Definitely. have to try this. Highly recommend it. Also the woman who narrates it is amazing. Who reads she it? Does, uh, I don't remember her name, but okay. it's on, I read it on audible and it, it's mm-hmm. just, it's so good. It's really good. I've read it in like a day or two and on audible. So it's really good. The problem is I fell in love with the character of Lilith so much that the second book is not necessarily about her. So, oh, no. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, man, when I fell in love with her, I don't want her to go away. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. So my first book tonight is one that made me happy on pretty much every single possible level. This is a young adult debut novel called I'll Be the One. The author is Lila Lee. And this is a young adult romance, a young adult kind of coming of age story. Our heroine is a 16-year-old girl named Sky Shin. She is Korean-American, and all she wants is to be a K-pop superstar. But her mother has always told her that fat girls can't dance. Yes. 
And Sky has worked really hard to fight against all of this kind of negative stuff that her mom is constantly throwing at her. But there's a piece of her that kind of wonders, like, what if, you know, what if that's true? What if there's really no room for someone like her in the music industry? But then a reality TV show comes to town and it's called You're My Shining Star. So think American Idol, but for K-pop. And you will then be like totally immersed in like all of the drama and all of the kind of like infighting that you would expect from a show like this. And so Sky auditions for the show and her, you know, people are always saying to her like, oh, you know, you should just focus on your singing. Like you have such a nice voice. You know, you, you don't need to embarrass yourself by dancing. Like it's just no good. And she says, no, like, I don't, I don't buy into this. I want to achieve my dreams. And I want girls who look like me to know that you don't have to just like fade into the background because you're a bigger girl. And so she goes up on stage and she dances and she totally like, you know, knocks her audition out of the park. But one of the judges is really, really mean to her. And so she's forced to kind of stand up for herself and explain like why she thinks that so much of what K-pop stands for is discriminatory and wrong. So she goes on to be a part of this competition in various ways. And we see her develop into just a super confident and talented young woman, like far more confident than I could ever have imagined being at 16. Um, I was also a, a teenage performer, but not a dancer. And so I, you know, I, I was kind of timid in some ways. And I can't imagine just like going out there and, and putting very powerful people in their places the way Sky did. And she ends up developing a close friendship that eventually develops into more with one of the other contestants who is this really super famous like heartthrob guy. And, you know, she's pretty sure that he wouldn't want to date a girl like her. And of course, you know, he does. And it is just a lovely, lovely story full of music, full of passion, full of female empowerment. Um, I felt bad for Skye some of the time because people really were incredibly unkind to her in some ways. And so definitely be aware that this book is full of like fat phobic language. Um, fortunately, there is some growth by some of the characters as the story goes on. And I think watching Sky sort of prove everyone wrong and really come into her own is such a beautiful part of this story. It is absolutely phenomenal. I hope that this author will give us more of her wonderful, wonderful writing. This is I'll Be the One, and it's by Lila Lee. And it's going in my TBR. Oh, it should. It's like a really quick read. It's about eight and a half, maybe nine hours. It's lovely. So the next book that I'm going to talk about tonight is We Set the Dark on Fire. We Set the yes. Dark on Fire, number one, by Teller K. Mejia. And this book is about a girl named Daniela, or Danny for short. And she attends a school call, um, for girls called um, Medio, I think. And this school trains girls to do two jobs in um like in society they either they're either going to run a household or they're going to raise raise children like that's the two jobs that they're set to do and so Daniela is one of the top students in the class so she knows she's going to get a really really good place and she ends up getting connected with a Politico's son and she's got a bit of a secret that she's kind of hold, be hoping nobody figures out um, her if they give it away in the synopsis so her parents have paid a lot of money to get her pedigree and everything changed so she's not really um, this high class person that her pedigree says she is it but her parents want more for her so they paid to get her this like great background and stuff like that 
and she's really hoping that nobody finds us out. So she gets to um, graduation day and everything is going off great. But then some things start happening, but still she thinks over, oh, I'm going to do okay. But then she is asked to, she's given a decision. Like she has to um, decide whether she wants to help um, a rebel group or if she wants to continue on her way and um, go for the prestige that her parents really wanted for her. And this is kind of a book about, so there's, um, so far there's two books in the series. I don't remember if there's going to be more, but no more. Oh, the much makes me sad. I know. <laughs> I'm sad. Um, so there's two books in this series. So this book, this one, first one, is a lot about her figuring out, like, what, what does she want to do for her, with her life? And she's at the same time, she's got to make these decisions. She's, there's this love interest that um, she has developed. And it happens to be another student who has been placed in the same home as her. And together, they kind of need to decide, like, what they want to do with their lives. And it's just, a, I just really, really, really enjoyed this book. And then it goes on to the next book. And it was even, I, I honestly think it was even better. So I totally recommend both these books. Um, this is We Set the Dark on Fire. We Set the Dark on Fire, number one, by Teller K. Mejia. And I would tell you more, but I would give away too much. So got to stop there. I love this book so much. Roxy actually, like my friend Roxy actually suggested I read it. And, oh. I, and I wasn't totally sure at first because I was like, oh, like, oh, going to live with like some Politico son, blah, blah, blah. That's going to be so boring. But I read it because she recommended it. And I was like, I was addicted. I read both books, like, back-to-back. Back. Yeah, they're so good. I'm going to shift us in time a little bit to a good. time in a previous generation where the railroad was the way to travel. <laughs> and I have to actually back up and say to you, I really liked my little like intro, but what I really want to say about this is I was excited to read this book uh, since the historical times of uh, 2019 when we, when Shannon and I interviewed Chanel Clayton um, and she told us about the book that was coming out in 2020. So yes. I'm going to be talking with you about the last train to Key West by Chanel Clayton. And again, this is one of my favorite books of the summer. So, um, and it takes place in 1935 in Key West. And at this time, Key West was sort of like a melting pot of many different things. And um, many people kind of came to Key West to escape from something or to start a new life. And this is the case for um, a couple different people. But there are also people born in Key West who are trying, who see it as a trap to be escaped. So Helen works at a cafe and is struggling mightily with some aspects of her home life and trying to figure out what she's going to do. And she kind of lives in fear a lot of the time. And then we have another young woman and I'm afraid I'm going to say her name wrong and I have to be careful how I pronounce it. Her name is Mirta. And Mirta is from Cuba. And her family made the very horrible mistake of allying with the wrong political side in 1933. And so the only way for Mirta to kind of avoid um, and her family to kind of regain favor in the new regime is for Mirta to make a marriage. Um, so she marries a man who is sort of shady, if I'm being quite honest, in his business dealings. And she is coming to Key West for her honeymoon. And then we have Elizabeth, who is leaving New York, coming to Key West on the railroad in search of someone and something. And, and over this Labor Day weekend in 1935, it's a lot of story in a brief amount of time. But over this Labor Day weekend, these three women will discover things about themselves, about the people in their lives, and they'll discover what resilience means because what happens during this weekend 
is a ginormous hurricane is going to sweep over the Florida Keys, um, causing much devastation in its wake. And that's sort of like the, the bare bones description of the book. There's so much more to it. Um, the one thing that I will say I found very fascinating um, was knowing that in the 30s, there were still sort of like arranged marriages where a man would go to the parents and say, I will pay you this much money if I can marry your daughter. And then the parents say, well, okay. And then the daughter kind of has no choice but to marry this man that she may not really know very well. And that was what happened to Myrta. And the other thing I found really interesting about this book is that um, in the Florida Keys, there were camps for the veterans of World War I. And by the mid-1930s, they were seen, the veterans of World War I were seen as an embarrassment, um, something to be hidden away because the government failed them and they knew it. And so they were sent to these work camps to do projects like, you know, build a railroad or whatever, but um, just not treated with any sort of respect or dignity at all. Um, and so over the course of this weekend, there's, you know, people fall in love and, you know, great, wonderful things happen. And there's also great tragedy because like I said, the, um, there is a huge hurricane that sweeps through and kind of changes the course of everything. And I'm not doing this book justice at all, but it was absolutely amazing and highlighted a time in history that I honestly don't know that much about. So um, this book, again, is The Last Train to Key West, and it is by Chanel Clayton. This book is on my TBR list. And I really, really so good. It. it sounds I, really, really good. It's really yeah, good. good. I haven't read any of her books yet, but this oh, one I love totally... her. Oh my god! Oh. Yep. The next book I'm gonna talk about is um, the Archangel series by Nalini Singh. Oh yay! yay! Oh, <laughs> I love these books so much. So, so the first book is book one is called um, Angels Blood, and it yay! is by Nalini Singh. And this book is an urban fantasy paranormal romance I um like just really really rich like world building book um the main character her name is Elena and she is a really um powerful woman who um works for this organization called the guild and so in the world of Nalini Singh vampires are a bit different so <laughs> vampires are created by angels. Um, and so um, it's basically like a big vetting process. All these people apply to be immortal. And then eventually they get transformed into vampires by uh, angels. And by that point, they are kind of uh, bound to the person who ch uh, changed them or bound to a older vampire. And so sometimes, though, these younger vampires run away. And so it's Elena's job to go after the young vamps, and any vamp, really, um, and bring it back to its master or its hierarchy, whatever. Um, so, and she's the best at her job. She is, like, number one guild hunter, like, just really, really cool. She has this ability to smell and scent um, vampires, which is a very rare ability. Um, and it's only, uh, it's only found in the specific subset of um, Guild Hunter. So um, one day her manager, which happens to be her best friend, calls her on the phone and says that she has a meeting with the Archangel of New York. His name is Raphael. And Raphael is known for his brutality and his ruthlessness, his aloofness, his above-it-all kind of um, mentality. Um, and so she goes to meet with him and is um, a little nervous, to say the least, um, because Raphael, like I said, is just ruthless and, you know, very um, heavy-handed. And so she goes to his, like, high-rise apart um, apartment building um, slash office building. <laughs> and um, she takes a meeting with him, and they kind of, like, hit it off to begin with. They kind of have, like, this weird romantic spark energy that, um, that is semi-flirtatious, like, flirting with danger kind of thing. 
So it's a very good book. Um, Raphael has a contract for her. And the contract is to do something that's never been done before. I don't want to get into what it is because it's kind of a spoiler. But it is very, very cool. And it requires her specific scenting ability. So the book is um, the first in the Archangel series called Angel's Blood. And the author is Nalini Singh. And I love this book so much. I cannot even tell you. I like, this is one of my first like true urban fantasy reads. Yeah. And the world building is so interesting. I know it's really good. Yeah. And you know, I, I have to catch back up with the series. I read the first couple and then they weren't, um, that's all there were at the time. And then I sort of like moved on and, and didn't ever go back to them, but I, I need you to know, catch up now. So wouldn't it be a novel experience? to talk about a pandemic (gasps) like imagine that imagine i hope that never happens no no (laughs) pandemic (laughs) so this is a book that i'm currently reading about 80 percent through this is the beginning at the end by mike chen and A little bit of background about this, it was begun in 2011. He started writing it in 2011 when obviously no one knew about COVID-19. It was finally released into the world in January of 2020 when COVID-19 was just creeping up. So a lot of what is written about here feels sort of eerily similar to what we're living through right now, especially if you think about the fact that, like, he didn't know that this was coming down the pike toward us. So this is kind of a post-apocalyptic plague novel, and I really like plagues. So, you know, it's just a fantastic book for me. So in 2020... (laughs) A plague came, like a sort of weird derivative of the flu. And it wiped out like 75% of the world's population. So this is what we have to know before we like get fully into the novel. Six years later, the world is still recovering from this terrible disaster. And we follow three people, there's Rob, who is struggling to raise his young daughter on his own after the death of his wife. There is Moira, who is hiding a secret about her identity and desperately trying to create a new life for herself. And there's Krista, who is very, very goal-oriented, and she just keeps focusing on like making it through the next day and sort of achieving the next level of success. And she is a wedding planner. These three come together through a series of unusual circumstances. And as things begin to go south once again in the world, and a second wave of this terrible plague is looming on the horizon, they are all sort of thrust into the situation where they have to depend on one another in order to survive. Rob's daughter goes missing as part of the plot. And there's a lot of things that kind of lead up to that that I can't tell you about. But in order to find her, you know, they they have to kind of make this journey from San Francisco heading into Seattle. And in a world where travel is prohibited in most cases, um, this is really, really hard to do. So this is more of a like a character-driven novel rather than a plot-driven novel. There's a lot of things that are going on, but most of our focus stays in the minds and hearts of our characters. So you learn a lot about the pandemic and how it is like decimating the world, but you learn it mostly through the ways in which it affects these three people that we follow so closely. So you're not really going to see like high action scenes in the way that you would in some post-apocalyptic novels. Um, It's slower, it's quieter. Um, It's a little less like graphically disturbing, although emotionally it is a difficult read, especially given the actual pandemic that is existing right now. But it is really, really well done. And 
I am amazed by just, like I said, the similarities that Chen was able to craft between like this sort of fictitious illness and the illness that is ruling the world right now. So this is The Beginning at the End by Mike Chen. So, you know, I'm sort of like obsessed with post-apocalyptic fiction. I do. Um, so I think I'm going to have to add this as well to my TBR. This is going to be a kind of expensive episode for me because <laughs> there's a lot of things I'm adding to my TBR I'm going to want to read. My final book for today is going to be a cozy mystery. It's called A Deadly Inside Scoop, An Ice Cream Parlor Mystery, number one, by Abby Collette. And I am, was so excited to read this because I love ice cream. <laughs> so our main character's name is Bronwyn, or Wynn for short. And her last name is Cruz. And she has recently finished her MBA. And she has moved home to a place in Ohio to help run, like to take over the running of her family ice cream parlor. And in this doing that, she has decided to kind of take it back to the bare bones. And she, because her aunt, who was running it before her, she had really kind of broadened things to the point where nobody really could see, like, the old-fashionedness of it, like, the whole family um, atmosphere of it. So she's decided to take it back to its bare bones. And Unfortunately, as we all can imagine, the renovations, they are not done on time. So she ends up missing the summer rush. And her ice cream parlor ends up reopening the day that the first snow falls. So you can imagine that it didn't work out so well that first day. Um, she ends up coming across a dead body. And this dead body, so well, this, this man, sorry, this man, he um, is a grifter that has connections to the Cruz family. Um, and they're not the greatest connections. So her father ends up getting wrapped up and accused of murdering this man. So as you could probably guess, um, when has decided that she needs to help and figure out like what happened so that her father doesn't get blamed. And she's got her, her best friends are pretty quirky ladies. They're going to help her discover what's happening as well as her family themselves are going to help. So it's just a really, I, I loved it. It was just a fun read. It was, um, like, it was easy read. So like it was something I could just put on and not have to really do a lot of thinking. And sometimes I need those kind of books. So this is a deadly inside scoop, an ice cream parlor mystery number one by Abby Collette. I have seen these on Goodreads. Yeah, she, um, I don't know if this is her debut, but it's her first book in the series. And it was, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Like, I will definitely be waiting, eagerly awaiting more installments. Cool. And she talks about different ice creams that she's making in the shop. And I'm like, oh, I want to try that. <laughs> oh, it reminds so me of those um, Megan Sienna Deutsch books that are set in the cupcake bakery. Yep. And there's always, like, lust in a cup. Yep. And it talks about, like, what's in lust in a cup and sin in a cup. Oh, yeah. Love or there's, a cup. A, there's another cozy mystery series I love is the Coffee House Mysteries by Cleo Coyle. Oh, Cleo Coyle. And they're always talking about um, the different coffees and espressos and lattes. And, like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I want to go there. So I wish that this was actually a place that I could go to. So I was all set to talk about Dreams Descend by Janella Angelis, and I was really excited about that book, and I, I'm still excited about that book. But then last weekend, I was looking for something to read, and I discovered that a book by Brittany Cherry 
um, was available in Kindle Unlimited. And I read it in like a hot second. And since that moment, I have binged. I've read five Brittany Cherry books since last Friday. So I've changed what I'm going to talk about. And now I'm going to talk to you about Southern Storms Compass Book One by Brittany Cherry. And I'm a little confused because sometimes she, uh, it's Brittany C. Cherry and sometimes it's Brittany Cherry. So I don't know what is the, which way she prefers. But either way, it doesn't matter necessarily because what really matters is that her books are so kick-ass, I can't even tell you. So Southern Storms is about Kennedy. And Kennedy is living a life with her husband that is making her very unhappy. And she had a very tragic event happen to her a year ago. And, you know, quite shockingly, she hasn't quite recovered. But her husband tells her that he's sick of her crying and, you know, falling apart. And he thinks that she should just be ready to move on with her life. Oh. Oh. Yeah. As one does. Fantastic. Yeah. There's a, there's a time limit on grieving, apparently. Okay. So finally, yeah. So finally, it, it all sort of comes to a head. And they separate. Yeah. And yeah, as one I should. Tell. Uh-huh. And Kennedy, um, her sister, invites her to come and stay with her for a while. And Kennedy feels kind of bad about that because she, uh, her, her sister is um, about to get married and go on her honeymoon. But it's okay because when you have a sister that is, like, very close and is your best friend, that's what you do. You, you open your home no matter what, even if you're about to go on this, like, amazing honeymoon. So Kennedy gets to her sister's house. And after a few days, her sister blindfolds her and takes her into this quaint little town and takes her to a house that she and her husband have just flipped. And, um, they, she says, you live here as long as you need, just, you know, get your feet under you, just hike, just be, there's some woods behind your house that are really beautiful. Just, you know, kind of get things back together. Aw. So Kennedy stays in this house in this, what sounds like absolutely idyllic and charming town. Now, it would be more idyllic and charming if it weren't for the sort of Stepford wife neighbors who, like, came over with all their <laughs> random, like, loaves of bread and things to welcome her to the neighborhood. And <laughs> to try to get as much information about her, you know, is she a deadbeat? Why isn't she working? You know, what is happening with her? You know, all this stuff. And... One day, Kennedy is just like, I cannot take these people. So she goes off into the woods behind her house. And she uh, sees this man who tells her that she is trespassing on his property. And he yells at her and is very rude and tells her she has to leave. Oh. Well, she then sees this man around town periodically. And the, the one time she really notices him is when he goes to rescue a dog from going out into the street. And she is like, wow. And he saves this dog, but this woman just starts yelling at him and and like hurries away with her yapping pet. And another time she sees him on the front porch with bags of groceries of her very reclusive older neighbor who never seems to leave her house. And she's like, something's not adding up here. So throughout the course of this book, Kennedy meets Jax and Their love story is very beautiful, and that's all I'm going to say about that part of it. It's one of the most loveliest, wonder- most wonderful love stories, but they both have a lot of baggage um, that they kind of have to work through before they can achieve their happily ever after. But in the meantime, this book is also about how Kennedy begins to integrate herself into the town, how she learns to stand up for herself, how she kind of discovers a found family of wonderful people within her town and how she learns to get back on her feet and sort of begin to breathe again after horrific tragedy. This book has all the charm that you would associate with a well-done small town romance. Um, the, the, just everything about it is just charming and lovely. And it, to me, it's like the quintessential perfect romance. Um, So if you're looking for something to read, I would encourage you to pick up Southern Storms Compass Book One by Brittany C. Cherry. And just in time for the second book in the series, um, 
that has Eastern in the title, and I'm blanking on the name right now, but I think it comes out later this month, I believe. Um, so, oh. yes. And also, um, for those who choose to read um, using Audible or using uh, you know, audiobooks, it will be available um, as an audiobook later in September. Southern Storms will be. So I was actually just going to ask you that, if it was going to Yes, I think it's on audio. September 20th. The last book I am going to talk about today is The Ghost Bride by Yang Zi Chu. And um, it is a, you know, for those who know my book preferences, I don't really enjoy reading first person because sometimes I think it can be a little bit um, slow. But uh, this book is, is not slow and it's so interesting. So the premise is the main character, her name is Lee Lan, and she is um, having to choose between being, uh, well, basically her, her parents, um, her dad specifically comes over to her one day, asks her if she wants to become a ghost bride. And becoming a ghost bride is becoming the bride to someone who's newly deceased, basically marrying oh. their ghost. So you are then bound to the house that um, you married the deceased person. And so you basically become like the vessel, I guess, of the house. And so um, Leland has these journeys into the spirit world. um, And she also has a love interest uh, in the physical world. So her story is very much, and I haven't finished it quite yet, um, but her story is very much a choice between the the freedom that the spirit world gives you and the intrigue that it gives you and also her interest in the um, physical world and the ability to uh, be with someone <laughs> in the physical world. So uh, it's a really good book so far it's not slow i like the narration in the world building um i wish i could say more about it but i don't want to give anything away um i'm looking forward to finishing this one rather quickly and um again the book is called the ghost bride and it is by yang zi chu Uh, something else to add to my tbr All right, so my last book takes us into the world of the young adult thriller. Your favorite world. One of them, yes. (laughs) So this is Spin, and it's by Lamar Giles. And I heard him speak a few months ago back at BookCon, and I really liked so much of what he had to say. And his dedication to writing really well-drawn, important young adult novels, whether they be romances or thrillers or just sort of general YA fiction. So this is Spin, and it is the story of two girls, Kaya and Fuse. Her name is Fatima, but she goes by Fuse. And they are not friends. They have a mutual friend named Paris, who is killed at the beginning of the novel. And because Paris is kind of an inner city black girl, her murder is not a priority for the police. And no one really likes this. People really want you know, someone to get to the bottom of what happened. They want justice for Paris. Paris was an up and coming musician. Um, she was learning how to be a DJ and she was just kind of on the verge of really being famous when she's killed. So Kaya and Fuse have to then kind of team up, even though there's a lot of animosity between them for all sorts of complicated reasons. But if they don't team up to figure out what happened to Paris, they fear that she'll just sort of fade into the background and no one will ever know who was responsible for her death. So this is very much a mystery in the sense that we are trying to figure out what happened to Paris, but it's also a story of female friendship and what it means to actually look beneath the surface of someone that we're pretty sure we don't like. Like, do we have valid reasons for not liking this person 
or is there something about them that we just sort of decide, you know, makes them a certain way. And so both Kaya and Fuse really work hard to kind of figure out their feelings for one another, also for, um, excuse me, also to figure out really how they felt about Paris, because whereas they're very sad that she's gone and they don't like the fact that she was murdered, it's really hard to view Paris as this sort of, you know, super great, always kind person that the public is now painting her to be now that she's gone. And so they both kind of wrestle with kind of the, the darker side of Paris and her relationship with them and with fame. So this is pretty intense. It reminded me, for those of you who have read Let Me Hear a Rhyme by Tiffany D. Jackson, it reminded me a little bit of that, kind of a cross between that and Angie Thomas's On the Come Up. Um, it's just a really well done mystery and novel about young women kind of struggling to make sense of a world that is so often unjust to young African-American girls. So this is Spin, and it's by Lamar Giles, and I really, really loved it. I'm going to definitely add this one to my TBR list. Yes, it's so good. Oh my gosh, all these books, like, you're just, you guys are just doing it <laughs> in. Yes, that's what we do. Being on so, this podcast can be expensive. Yes. It can. Mm-hmm. can. Beautiful, beautiful bookities. Indeed. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you to Brooke, Kira, and Stacy for joining me tonight and talking about some really awesome books. Thanks, as always, goes out to Christine for all of the editing that she does for these episodes. It is definitely a lot of work, and we appreciate it so much. And, of course, we want to thank all of you who join us each week as we talk about all the books that we love. If you would like to let us know your thoughts... You can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. And not only does it allow us to see your feedback, but it also helps other book lovers to find us, which is a great thing. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more bookish fabulousness. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more discussion of great books. Take care, everybody.